you, 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 you are about to experience Vegas bad boys of podcasting. Fortunately, you are about to hear lots of opinions, but uh, rarely any facts. Impersonations might occur, but uh, good luck trying to figure them out. This program is not intended for kids or the easily offended. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. You press play. It's too late to stop. Get ready to podcast. Welcome to another edition of Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting. I'm DJ Impact. And I got the Vegas Bad Boys here with me. It's three count time, meaning that we got three good topics here that we're just going to uh, talk about. Uh, these articles we just pull out of the news for the past week or two, and uh, we take a look and just uh, discuss them. So let's get to our first count. That's from ringsidenews.com. It's titled, WWE Thinks Wrestlers Opening GoFundMe Pages cheapens wrestling let me read a little bit of what it says here it says the pro wrestling world sees gofundme crowdfunding pages start all the time and those pages are created by people who are going through difficult time and they must rely on fans for help and apparently wwe isn't a fan of that idea now Perry corbin is out of luck on smackdown as he just started his own gofundme page and of course corbin's page isn't accepting actual money from the fans but anyway it was a bit of a smackdown that caused a lot of fans to wonder what Baron Corbin's net worth really is. Uh, and then, of course, during Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer brought up Corbin's new angle and how it might stem from a real feeling that is kept backstage in WWE. He said on the show, I don't think they like the idea of wrestlers doing GoFundMe accounts with the idea that it cheapens wrestling. And, of course, they took better care of their wrestlers, at least the ones who wrestle for them, wouldn't have to have that issue, end quote. Now, of course, it seems that Baron Corbin's uh, little Corbin Fund Me bit was a possible knock on pro wrestlers starting GoFundMe pages. In the first place, the excellent point was also made that former WWE superstars should really have to go the GoFundMe way because WWE could help them out. So that's pretty much the whole thing there. There was a couple of comments I was reading from that article. It was funny. One person said, it's pretty, it's pretty much begging. Someone with self-respect wouldn't do that. Another person who commented said, why is WWE's responsibility to take care of former employees for life? Why should they continue paying them when their employment ends? It makes no sense. And of course, another person who wrote in the comment says, how does funds cheapen professional wrestling when you have a billion dollar company, Vince? So damn selfish and uncaring this company is amazing guys right um let me just jump right over to this i'll let you take this one sin city first uh of course this is all from the mouth of Meltzer, <laughs> of his thoughts uh so what is your take on this idea of gofundme being looked at as not a, a positive thing to um to be happening in the world of wrestling when these uh, talent may really or truly need help from the fans. Well, I think that something that we really need to keep in mind is that 
you know, a, a lot of the older wrestlers are coming from a, a different point in time where salaries are not or were not anywhere near what they are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times you had these guys working for a hot dog and a handshake or, you know, for WWE, obviously it was a little bit more than that to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, but, y- you know, it's it is a different time. Um, and, you know, it's inflation is a real thing. Um, the, 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 the economy has changed over time. Um, disposable income has changed over time. So, you know, these guys, even if they did set money aside, um, realistically, it it doesn't surprise me if, you know, numerous guys are are down on their luck and needing a, a hand from people, um, for various things. And let's call it what it is too. Um, a lot of these guys are having GoFundMe accounts set up for them for health related issues. So, you know, certain things such as, you know, um, I, I'm not typically somebody that advocates for, uh, for workers unions or anything of that nature, or, you know, um, things of that nature on a, on a large scale. However, um, it's, it's something that, professional wrestling is in need of union representation and it's i think that that's a microcosm and if there was some sort of a union in place that these things would be you know fewer and far between than what they have been and what they are um as for um gofundme accounts in general um you know you had mentioned some of the comments in there at the end of the day it's it's all it's all privatized You're right you know if, if somebody wants to set up a GoFundMe account and they want to put themselves out there to, um, you know, solicit donations and things of that nature, I have zero issue with it. Yeah. Um, and, and realistically we, we as people need to, you know, take a look at things and we need to realize that these guys that literally broke their backs and, you know, put their bodies on the line for us. You know, if you, if you took any kind of enjoyment from them, over the years, it might be a good thing to somewhat repay them. So I I have zero issue, zero issue with this stuff. Absolutely. Simon Street, let me ask you, part of the article says that that the Corbin Fund Me uh, bit was a possible knock on pro wrestlers starting GoFundMe pages in the first place. Um, I mean, I, I we, of course, this is all hearsay, but if, let's just say that this is a knock on that. Is, is that is, why create a storyline like that if this is really the case? I mean, is that something to make a knock on? Uh, I don't think that it's really that serious. Uh, in or, or I don't think that it, the intent of him bringing up the GoFundMe was the sole purpose of going so deep in to reflect on wrestlers having GoFundMe's. I think that just just in general. When you have somebody in the storyline he's creating that he's lost his crown, he's lost everything, he's lost his luck. Do you see what I'm saying? Ordinarily, it's a normal dialogue for people today to have a GoFundMe when somebody is down on their luck, whether it's, you know, they really do need it because of, um, you know, as Sin City said, like for health reasons and they can't afford the cost. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, GoFundMe is a normal dialogue that people say in today. Even whether it's some jokes or some real life, if you're yeah. really down on your luck and you don't want to go outside and panhandle or have a sign that says willing to work for food or whatever, you probably would go do a GoFundMe. 
You right. know, yeah. uh, there's a couple people that I know personally that have lost their jobs during COVID and and in whatever reason they couldn't get on unemployment, whatever the case may be. They did have a GoFundMe because they had a, a kid they were taking care of with special needs and they knew they needed to have a certain amount of money that they weren't getting to be able to have it. So, yeah, I say all that to say it's not that big. of. I don't think it was that deep. Let me ask you, Matt Michaels, this was uh, in the direct quote from Meltzer. He mentions that the the idea of wrestlers doing a gun f- GoFundMe accounts with the idea that it cheapens wrestling. Now I know you can't figure out what you know what's in his head, but what do you think he means by cheapens wrestling? And would you agree with such comment that he would make on on a comment like that? Well, uh, can you read the actual sentence? Yes, again? sir. So I, I, I don't think they like the idea of wrestlers doing GoFundMe accounts with the idea that he cheapens wrestling and of course if they took better care of their wrestlers at least the ones who wrestle for them wouldn't have to have that issue end quote and and so that's that it cheapens wrestling correct Um, meaning the gofundme is cheap in wrestling yeah well it's weird it actually says he cheapens wrestling and i don't know who he is but it does say it says uh Yeah. yeah the idea that he cheapens wrestling Maybe he's talking about the um, Corbin. Maybe the whole idea of that um, creating that account. Well, yeah. It, it, so it, first of all, if, if it's meant to be Corbin, that makes no sense because he's not cheaping right. wrestling. He's doing the storyline that's written for him. Right. Number number two, if he means McMahon, um, I'll tell you right now, McMahon is not the one who created that because I. Vince McMahon probably doesn't know what a GoFundMe is, to be honest. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so um, the next thing that I find fascinating is if it's it, meaning that the WWE, uh, meaning Vince McMahon, thinks that it being the GoFundMe cheapens wrestling. Um, Meltzer always says that it's Vince McMahon who uh, says that uh, they don't look at themselves as a wrestling company and they don't take it, you know, serious as pro wrestling. And that's why the Tokyo Dome shows have 90 star ratings versus, you know, WrestleMania, which is a two star in Dave's book. Right. So it makes no sense. I think that literally, again, Dave likes to have to fill content. Uh, he has to, you know, sell subscriptions. He has to fill his radio show, or, you know, his, his internet show, whatever. Yeah. So, um, quite frankly, I think you know Dave's talking out of his ass again. Um, the the truth of the matter is, is that was fucking hysterical. Absolutely. Because he didn't start a GoFundMe page. He started a literal thing. If you go to it, which I put up. It is a Corbin fund to me. <laughs> right. So, you yeah. know what? Get over yourself, Dave. Not everyone's trying to take shots in the WWE at former wrestlers who, you know, have trouble making ends meet. A lot of the people on top of that who do start GoFundMe pages um, are more so wrestlers who might have briefly worked for the company or have never worked for the company or more so independent wrestlers um that type of of light so yeah um and quite honestly i'll tell you right now being a member of stag aftra i can verifiably say 
that even though I am a dues due pay due paying member, um, and I'm expected to pay my dues, whether you work or don't work. All right. The only thing that slides is how much you have to pay. You're not eligible for health insurance unless you work X amount of hours. Okay. So you have to put in, you basically have to be either getting like steady work as a, you know, a, a guest star on, on shows or, you know, get a series, you know, for X amount of time. And once that period of time runs out, if you are not continuously working, you lose your health insurance. So even a union is not set up to protect us for the future. Yeah. You get something that um, is your, uh, you know, the retirement type money fund set up. But if you don't make any money, no money's being put into it. So you literally probably have only a couple thousand dollars, you know, worth of uh, retirement money through the union. So um, you have to do this shit. Okay. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, the, you know, what kind of was hit on is like you guys said, People have to set up the GoFundMe pages now because of the fact that there are situations that you just can't afford. Everyone price gouges everything. And for, you know, for people who can't even, you know, set up um, that future for themselves by putting money aside because they have to pay for their family to live, um, then what the fuck? No one's poking fun at the the um, the idea of doing it. It's being used as satire in a situation that is purely satirical. Because the last time I checked, Baron Corbin did not lose his WWE contract, and he's still <laughs> making the money he makes. And it's a fucking character. It's a fucking show. Get over yourself, Dave Meltzer. And you know what, Dave? When you have to set up your GoFundMe page, boy, I hope that everyone is as serious about it as you are. There you go. Good, 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 good. I love it. Let's go to our second count from eWrestlingNews.com titled Jim Ross comments on the criticism that AEW is signing too many former WWE stars. Now, it starts off by saying that during the latest edition of his grilling Uh, JR podcast, the WWE Hall of Famer and AEW commentator Jim Ross commented on the criticism of AEW signing too many former WWE stars and Malachi's Black's AEW AEW debut and ongoing feud with Cody Rhodes and more. And you can check out some of the highlights. So uh, I'm not going to really respond on what he he mentioned as far as uh, uh, Malachi Black joining AEW. And the feud with Cody Rhodes, um, there's also uh, comments he made on rooting for other companies to succeed and the potential for more crossover with New Japan. What I will comment in this uh, article is, is on the criticism that AEW is signing too many former WWE stars. So he says it's a weak argument. They're WWE light. I don't agree with that. And I'm not knocking WWE. I had 26 great years there, and I'm not anti-WWE. I don't feel like we're in a wrestling war. The war is AEW against itself, getting our young guys to continue to evolve and get better. And I think we're seeing that. 
some of your homegrown kids are starting to find their way. There's a big difference in working in PWG or an indie show and working on a match on a national television show. It's a different mindset and a different ball game. And I just believe we've got some talent and I love watching the evolution of it. Let me start with you, Simon Street. Uh, I'll start with the last comment. He says, I just believe we got some some talent and I love watching the evolution of it. I'm sure you can mention um, we can you could probably name some of the, the talent that you enjoy watching for AEW and watching them evolve. But are you seeing those young talents evolve and become of someone as you see a lot of these WWE stars are the ones who actually coming into AEW? Let me first start by answering your question. Yes, I do see the evolution. I am seeing them uh, be on the show. But I'm going to take the second part of that question and put it, if I were to put myself in the perspective of one of those young guys, okay? And my dream is to be the very best that I possibly can be. I want to get to the top, okay? Whether if that's WWE or AEW right now, the fact that I have honed my craft. And on top of that, I am working for a major promotion, AEW. I have all of this talent around me of people who have experience, who have history, who understand the business. And I get to rub shoulders with them and I get to try and soak in and keep myself open to be coached. And it ain't about a, a, a matter of if you see me on TV, when you see me on TV, I have a higher percentage chance of probably being ready. So I think that's one thing that maybe this, the, 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 the fan perspective may not get sometimes or some of these people that saying things like in this article that really is the knit and grits of it. I'm glad that they did touch on it a little bit. These stars, they're good and they're getting better. Do you see what I'm saying? I know we had mentioned before, like, with, with, you know, with a Darby Allen, how great is he going to be in like 10 years with the amount of experience that he's getting? Jungle Boy, what are we going to see in like 10 years? And these cats have how old? Fuck. That's all I can say. Let me ask you, Sin City Steve, um, and this is almost a little bit repeating what he said, but this is just quoting in this same response. He says, the war is AEW against itself, getting our young guys to continue to evolve and get better. I think we're seeing that. And some of your homegrown kids are starting to find their way. Can one argue that, okay, you're right. I mean, it is this war against yourself. And yes, you've got some of these homegrown kids that are finding their way. But is that still not saying that your company that or AEW is still signing too many former WWE stars? I mean, can both be true? Or why making that statement not make the overall statement of you're still signing too many WWE stars being a problem? Definitely. I think that they are running the risk of muddying the waters a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. um, and we've we've talked and talked and talked and talked on this show. Um, I've taken so much shit from all directions about whenever AEW signs somebody that had worked in WWE. Um, but realistically, at the end of the day, I think that they are attempting to build a bit of a culture there. And in initially you did have Jericho come in. Jericho was your first champion. We talked about the reasoning behind that for name value and name recognition. Um, I think that we're starting to see people like, um, like Christian cage. Um, he obviously has stepped in. And if you'll, uh, if you just go back and look at 
what they're setting up. Um, they're, they've been setting things up for a storyline between he and the guys in Jurassic Express. Um, so obviously he's going to help to refine them a bit through promos and through storytelling. Um, you've got guys like Matt Hardy, who, um, yes, he, you know, we, we rip into Matt Hardy about, you know, his in-ring stuff. But at the end of the day, he is still overseeing Private Party. Um, and he has helped them as far as a character evolution and added a different facet to their characters. So I think that they are going about this the right way. Um, however, yes, they are, they are at risk of muddying the waters mm -hmm. if they continually sign every single person that gets cut from a WWE roster. Um, but I, I think that initially there was more of a concern about that than what there is now. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I think that they are starting to um, allow these these younger guys and these uh, lesser experienced guys and girls to you know forge their own path while also having their characters and their gimmicks enhanced and helped by having those veteran presences around. Thank you, Matt Michaels. Uh, he starts off his comments in this whole thing that it's a weak argument. They're WWE light. Now, uh, I'm sure some people said, and I end quote to that, WW, WCW, I'm sure people said that they were also WWE light. And we have said that in many ways that we see AEW is kind of moving in that direction of WCW. So is there a possibility that they are a little WWE light? And Jim Ross, you know, although this is his take, that he doesn't agree with that, would you say, well, maybe you're wrong on that? I, I don't I don't think the term WWE light is is relevant. I think that that was a bad choice of words. Um, and, and then bringing up WCW, listen, WCW was not WWE light. WCW was a company that was first off was an NWA company that had a television deal in place for years and years and years. At some point, the Crockett's wanted to cash in and they sold it to Turner. Turner then, they operated the company at a loss for a long time. And guess what? They stopped the loss when they signed Hogan. Okay? Your next big signing was Savage. But on top of that, at that same time, they brought in Honky Tonk Man, they brought in Rude, they brought in Duggan, they brought in Earthquake, they brought in Avalanche. You see where it's going? And then they got lucky again because they signed Nash and they signed Hall. And what did they do? They didn't bring him in as Diesel and uh, as Razor. A, they legally couldn't. And B, they did something that was new. They blurred the lines. So... Then you had Xbox come in, and then all of a sudden you had DiBiase and Virgil. <laughs> so, so basically, you know, the truth be told, they got basic four cornerstones of what would have been the WWE guys, um, and eventually Bret Hart being a fifth. Okay, the difference here is that outside of Jericho. The only cornerstone name, and he wasn't a WWE cornerstone, is Sting. Okay. Big show you brought in, but he is not wrestling. 
Okay, so he is in a different capacity. All those other guys that they're, you know, that they're letting go are guys that um, outside of Christian and Hardy, which, by the way, Steve, you threw that on a the Fighter Fest, your big, you know, their big show, which I was totally, I think that was bullshit. I think that that's the type of shit that is the flip on this. Hey, have them in the ring working the young guys, not each other. That's the problem. If you start bringing more of these guys over, all you're going to start seeing now are Darby, MJF, uh, Orange Cassidy, Britt, and, um, you know, Jungle Boy. Maybe that, like those four people be, you know, really featured as your, your future, as your push. And then you're just going to have XWWE guys wrestling XWWE guys. So use, utilize these guys in wrestling these guys on a more, you know, don't have them facing each other. And you'll start getting rid of that. WWE light isn't coming from the idea that WWE wrestlers are signing with them. Actually, that is the reason they're signing them is to bring more credibility to their company. They would be WWE light if they just went with the guys from P- PWG. <laughs> then it would be like, oh, yeah. I mean, listen, look at uh, what you have in uh, Impact, right? That's, you know, you could say, well, that's kind of WWE light because it's a product that isn't exactly WWE. So, you know, it's another wrestling product, but Impact followed the same fucking structure and that brought them down, right? Because who did they bring in? Christian Cage and Hogan and Bischoff and Sting and fucking Nash and Booker T. And what happened to them? Did they excel? No, because they were they were really carving out something that was different when they started and they, they got off of those, you know, weekly pay-per-view buys and got onto network TV and you saw stuff like the X division and you saw some of these guys that you hadn't seen before and they were building up these guys. And then anytime a former guy who was on a big show comes in, it killed the momentum of the guys they were building. And if you guys want to point to this, DJ, you know I said this uh, yesterday watching the Impact pay-per-view. Kurt Angle fucking single-handedly killed that company when he came into it because they took Samoa Joe, who they built. They spent months building him as a fucking unbeatable guy. And Kurt Angle came in, and that was it. Joe disappeared into a, a, you watched the period for the rest of his career there and they had no fucking idea what to do with him because they fucking killed him. AJ Styles, anytime he started getting up, <laughs> one of those guys would come in, AJ Styles would be buried right back down. So that's the danger they have. It's not that they're WWE light. It's just that if you start trying to, um, to bring yourself to the forefront by signing the cast off that they let go. And if you're not making the right choices and showcasing those guys, right. Then what you're ending up going to be doing is 
forcing the young guys who hadn't got enough development on your show out the door when their contract comes up and they'll sign with NXT. And those are your future Stone Cold Steve Austin's and Mick Foley's and Hunter Hearst Helmsley's, etc. All right. Thank you much for that. Let's go to our third count from SportsGita.com. Title Pro Wrestling Veteran Reveals Why the NWO Angle Failed in WWE. It starts off by saying the NWO revolutionized pro wrestling in the 90s with the Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan helping WCW beat WWE in the ratings for 83 weeks in a row. And after WWE bought WCW in 2001, the NWO came to WWE the following year at No Way Out in 2002. Speaking on something to wrestle, WWE executive Bruce Prichard opened up about why the NWO failed in WWE. And this is what he said, quote, boy, it did not work. I mean, it was not a, it it was a couple of things. I think the whole NWO angle in WWE, I think would have been better had Eric Bischoff been involved in it and Bischoff be the one to bring them in a little bit different in a bit of a different way. You know, since JR signed everybody from Jack Briscoe to Harley Race to Dusty Rose and Carl Gotch, that maybe don't even know what I'm trying to say here, but it was a snake bitten is, is probably the best way to put it. But yeah, couldn't get Eric in at that time and Eric wasn't interested in doing it. And I think uh, that would have helped it. So maybe that's a reason. It could be the online gas online gas station that opened up and was selling bad Slurpees just fucked with people's minds that they didn't like it and it was off about three steps not even just a half a step it was off about three steps it felt weird and it felt forced end quote richard all right sin city steve uh nwo was definitely successful and wcw uh didn't seem like it was that successful in wwe but according to pritchard it was missing the secret sauce which was believe it or not bischoff what's your take Easy. Very, very simple. They're brought in to be a nostalgia act. You cannot have a nostalgia act be a heel organization. You can, you, it just doesn't work mm-hmm. because obviously the, you're bringing them in as a nostalgia act. You're bringing them in to appeal to fans. Mm-hmm. The fans are going to react favorably to that faction. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if you were wanting them to be heels when they came in, it wasn't going to work. Yeah. The only way that for them to work would have been as baby faces period. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Simon street. Let me ask you. Um, it, it says in here, uh, that they couldn't get Eric in at that time. And Eric wasn't interested in doing it. And I think that would have helped. Maybe that's a reason. So I don't know if you, if you would agree with Pritchard in his idea of saying that it, that, you know, Eric was the one that was missing, but let me ask you if you would agree with that, and Eric wasn't up for doing it. Do you think it was a good idea to even run in WO? Maybe they should not have done it at all. What's your take? Uh, I think that they shouldn't have done it. To okay. be completely honest with you, they should have never done it. It was definitely forced. Um, I'm glad that the WWE did finally learn a lesson with this mistake because when they were thinking about trying to do something similar with the Bullet Club, and if they get an opportunity in the future to do something with the Bullet Club, let's not go this direction. Leave it there. All right. Thank you, that Matt Michaels. You can go ahead and finish this off. I mean, NWO was a, was a big hit 
in WCW, when it came out in No Way Out 2002, it just fell. And Pritchard just says, hey, one of the biggest things is just that we didn't have uh, Eric Bischoff to come and, and, and bring them in a little bit in a different way. And because of that, it just didn't work. Would you would you agree with that or um, you disagree? No, um, I, I so it, it's very simple. You brought them in and um, your first thing that you didn't expect, Kevin Nash got hurt right away. So he didn't get the opportunity to wrestle at WrestleMania 18. He was in the corner of Scott Hall. Scott Hall, Scott Hall was a fucking mess. So they were fucking, you know, they, they were basically lied to by Scott Hall and um, they got fucked on that because he was gone within months because of his, his substance abuse. The biggest fuckery that they did on themselves was they didn't think that Hogan would get a reception from the fans. Here's a guy who did not appear in the WWE since 1993. You bring him back in 2002 and you're expecting him to go against the rock and be this huge heel. And like Steve said, nostalgia kicks in instead of sticking with it and Mm -hmm. continuing to keep him a heel. What do you do? You have him turn face. And by doing that, you just basically said, well, fuck it. We got one injured, one's a fucking substance abuser, and one's a fucking face. So what do we do? Let's throw X-Pac and Big Show in there. Okay, well, that's <laughs> not work. Okay, what else do we do? How about Shawn Michaels? Because the click and the NWO are connected somehow. Booker T was another one they threw in there. So, um, listen, it it would have been a good concept to do if they would have fucking been, if the cards would have fallen in the right places to where you had three guys who, by the way, also at this time, Hogan was like 45, I think by that time, Jesus, somewhere there, you know, so he was already up there. So the fact of the matter is, is that it was, it was, it's something that could have worked, but it wasn't because of Bischoff. And I think Bischoff has said in the past that they didn't necessarily really pitch that to him. And um, and in the show, when all that NWO stuff was going away, who comes in at the end of the summer of 2002? But Eric Bischoff is the general manager. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. amazing uh guys that's our three count for today thank you for um for entertaining those topics with us and shout out to chris and jade for uh jumping on we see you on there thanks for hanging out with us uh let's give our final thoughts man um i'll start with you simon street what you want to tell the good people out there well thank everybody thank you so much for tuning in and supporting us we appreciate it we can't do this without you please Continue to support us. Tell your friends, neighbors, coworkers about the Vegas Bad Boys podcast, and that's with a Z. We do this for the love of it. No doubt. Thank you, Sin City Steve. What's up? Hey, thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight. We appreciate everything that you guys do. Special shout out to every brave man and woman serving this country, lands both foreign and domestic. You enable us to be able to do this, so thank you. And last but not least, RepSports.com. Go there for all of your pre-workout all of your weight loss, all of your general energy needs. Again, rep sports, R-E-P-P sports.com. 
promo code Vegas at checkout and save yourself 15%. Thank you much. Matt Michaels. Um, yeah, good night, everybody. All right, perfect. Thank you guys for listening to us. We'll see you next week. And if you're uh, if you downloaded this on a Tuesday, don't forget to download tomorrow's episode, Wednesday, the, the Falco Files. Always a great show. I think we're going to be up to like episode maybe 64, maybe 65, somewhere in there, maybe 66. <laughs> it, just, it keeps growing. So definitely check it out and enjoy it. All right. With that, we'll see you next time. Peace. Biggest bad boys of podcasting.